This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Wednesday, January 24, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. A proposal to add baseball and softball programs for students at Macomb Middle School struck out with the Board of Education. The board voted 5 to nothing to reject those programs, which would have been for 7th and 8th grade students. Board members expressed concerns about the possible costs of running the programs and providing transportation. They were also concerned about getting coaches and umpires and finding fields for the teams to play and practice on. One out of every ten college students is food insecure, according to a University of Illinois study of census data. Illinois Public Radio's Emily Hayes reports on efforts to change that. In her sophomore year, Hania Thomas founded a coalition to advocate for black students' needs at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Rushing between meetings and classes, she often missed dining hall hours and was tight on money for extra food. I was just be like, well, I'm just go to the vending machine, give me a Pepsi and a candy bar and call it a day. And But I noticed that it was impacting my energy level because I would just be like, drained at the end of the day and then like I would get to the weekend and just sleep. Thomas is now a junior. She's lagged her schedule and is on a National Obama Foundation scholarship. She can afford a meal plan and groceries without stress. She's also starting to advocate for night auctions on campus like salad vending machines. This session some Illinois lawmakers are trying to prove funding for solutions like these. I'm Emily Hayes. The city of Peoria wants state lawmakers to tighten the rules for several felony offenses under Illinois' bail reforms. That includes mandatory pretrial detention for everyone charged with a Class I, Class II, and Class X felony, including minors. City Manager Patrick Yurick says there are more issues since the reforms were enacted. I think for our police, it's been very frustrating and it's been problematic for our neighborhoods. Uh, when the, uh, some of the, particularly the juveniles, are right back out on the street after being arrested. The city also wants to see harsher penalties for felons possessing a firearm, fleeing and eluding police, motor vehicle theft, hijacking a vehicle, and possessing a stolen vehicle. Yurik says motor vehicle thefts are a problem with juvenile offenders in particular. Missouri lawmakers are considering a proposal to ban the calorie pear tree, an invasive ornamental tree commonly called the Bradford pear. The proposal in the Missouri Senate would prohibit future sales and distribution of the trees. Ohio, Pennsylvania, and South Carolina have already banned the trees, and Kansas is considering whether to do the same. The Bradford pear tree is popular for its white flowers, but they're hard to control, and they're squeezing out native plants. A fake call to police of an attack such as a school shooter could result in felony charges under a bill moving ahead in the Iowa House. Iowa Public Radio's Grant Gerlach has the story. The bill comes from the Iowa Department of Public Safety, which is trying to push back against swatting. That's where a person calls in a false report of something like a bomb threat or school shooter. DPS legislative liaison Josie Wagler told a House subcommittee that in 2021, the agency received just four reports of swatting calls. Then last school year, there were 39. Our purpose really is to just try and deter bad actors from tying up emergency resources and trying to keep the public and um, emergency response agencies safe. Under the proposal, a person who makes a fake call about a violent attack could be charged with a felony rather than a misdemeanor. The bill advanced to the full House Public Safety Committee. 
I'm Grant Gerlach, IPR News. The Illinois State Board of Elections is now reviewing objections to President Biden and former President Trump appearing on the state ballot. Currently, there's one objection filed against Trump. It argues his involvement in the January 6th attack on the Capitol disqualifies him from running. Meanwhile, three parties are challenging Biden's candidacy. Beth Finley-Smith, a LaSalle County board member, says Biden's paperwork was not notarized in Illinois as required by state election law. There are rules in the state election code that need to be followed, and everyone's free to follow those rules. And in this case, uh, President Biden did not follow that rule. The board has assigned officers to review each objection. The officers will present their recommendations at the next board meeting on January 30th. A proposed tax cut for Illinois families could reduce child poverty by 8 percent. That's according to an analysis from the Illinois Economic Policy Institute. Researchers say 15 other states, both blue and red, have implemented child tax credits. In our feature for today, at her graduation last month, Janine Al-Harithi walked onto the stage and unfurled a banner with a message for University of Illinois leaders, Divest from Genocide. She is one of thousands of students across the country demanding their universities stop investing in companies doing business with Israel because of the ongoing conflict in Gaza. It's a controversial ask. Some supporters of Israel find the whole concept offensive. But it got higher education reporter Lisa Corian Phillip thinking, what do universities invest in and why? Janine Alharithi is Palestinian and a leader in the University of Illinois at Chicago chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine. We really are just like watching the suffering through our phones and there's only so much that we can do. On the other hand, she says, We're here in America for a purpose. We're here for a reason. We have so much uh, political power. And we need to utilize that in ways that matter. So, the call for divestment. Universities invest mostly through something called endowments. The money comes from donors. It's meant to cushion the school from drops in enrollment or government funding. To better understand, I called Robert Kelchin. He's a researcher at the University of Tennessee who knows a lot about the topic. I'll start by saying what an endowment is not. It's not this giant piggy bank that colleges can use however they want. It's a series of often thousands of small accounts, most of which are restricted to use for very particular purposes. Kelchin told me universities spend no more than 4 or 5 percent of the value of the endowment each year to pay for things like faculty positions, student aid, and research. So they keep the principal and the endowment keeps growing. He says the richest universities can get really creative with how they invest. The super wealthy colleges operate almost more as hedge funds. They have access to alternative strategies. For example, Harvard is one of the biggest landowners in Latin America. Most other colleges have a lot less money to work with and use more traditional products like mutual funds and index funds, Kelchin says. Like we do with our retirement accounts. There are relatively few colleges that do all their management in-house just because it's such a, such a specialized thing. That brings us back to divestment and why it can be so tricky. In recent years, for example, student climate activists pressured a handful of schools to limit investments in the fossil fuel industry. 
if you're not allowed to invest in oil companies, then if you have any index funds that track the broader stock market, that has oil companies. Do you need to get out of that? Supporters of divestment reject the idea that it's all that complicated. They point to the 1980s when, after years of student protests, more than 100 American universities scaled back investments in companies with ties to apartheid South Africa. Northwestern professor Elizabeth Shuckman heard was a kid then. People who are organizing right now are definitely studying and definitely uh, consulting to see, you know, how did you do what you did? But Heard says the debate this time is different. There's an intense political divide over the violence in Gaza and passionate support for Israel among students, parents, and donors. Plus, university leaders have to do what's best financially for the school. If you ask the board of trustees, should the investments of the university be aligned with the university's mission, they would say yes. And part of that mission is to ensure the longevity of the institution. So far, at least, Hurd's reading has been correct. Pro-Palestinian student activists haven't been able to persuade local university leaders to even discuss their investments publicly. It just makes me kind of feel like lesser than, um, but also kind of sparks of fire. That's Saha Hatib another leader at UIC's chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine. Because it's like, okay, well, if you don't listen to me when I talk, then I'll yell. If she can't get divestment, she says, she aims to, at the very least, raise awareness about the Palestinian cause. Lisa Corian Phillip, WBEZ News. In the weather for our listing area for today, it should be cloudy with a high in the upper 30s. Northeasterly winds at 5 to 10 miles an hour. For tonight, there's a chance of rain overnight and we will experience areas of fog. Otherwise, it'll be cloudy with a low in the mid-30s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.